This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. When God Made Light by Matthew Paul Turner Illustrated by David Kittrell Let There be Light That's what God said, and light began shining and then started to spread. It flickered and dashed, it blinked and it flashed. Light poured and light spilled, it bolted and splashed. Light glared and glimmered, it flared and sparked, and wherever light shined, dark stopped being dark. In the beginning, space became bright. Cause God filled it with twinkles of yellowy light. Brilliant stars gleamed, swirls of light streamed. In that once empty space, a galaxy beamed. When God made light, a universe lit up, a dazzling display of big shiny stuff. And all that light, every bright golden hue, is the very same light that God put inside you. Now God made the sun to light up our days, to cover our planet with light-filled rays, to make summers warm and winters not too cold, to help flowers bloom and turn wheat fields to gold, to burst in the morning at the first crack of dawn, to rise up slowly and beam across lawns. And when the sun shines, here's what you should do. Go run and have fun, play a game, maybe two. Go skipping or flipping or down a slide slipping. Or if it's too hot, in a pool, just go dipping. Dance in the grass, go climbing in trees. Build castles with sand. Face the wind, feel its breeze. Eat berries and cherries. In a patch, pick strawberries. Or whistle out loud with the choir of canaries. And once in a while, when the playing is done, look up in the sky and thank God for the sun. And when the light fades and the day ends too soon, wave goodbye to the sun and hello to the moon. Yes, God made the moon to brighten sky's night, to reflect the sun's shine, to be our world's nightlight. But beneath the dark sky, there are things you can do. Just bring mommy or daddy and a flashlight or two. Raise a tent and go camping and through the woods stamping, romping and stomping on paths made for tramping. Catch fireflies in jars. Go gazing at stars. Try counting and seeing how many there are. See constellations, shapes, and formations. Find a lion or bear amid heaven's creations. Sing songs round campfires, make marshmallow s'mores, let grandpa tell stories, wage flashlight wars. Now when God made light, God made all different kinds. Some sparkles, some flares, but all light shines. It flashes and bolts when lightning is crashing, or bursts through the sky when a comet is dashing. And if you ever feel scared in the darkness of night, 
Remember the shadows, no match for God's light. Climb into bed, sleep sounding and dream, and know that inside you, God's glow is a gleam. Because you're just like the sun and the moon in the sky, as lustrous as twinkles that dazzle the eye. You're as splendid as lightning when it flashes so bright, because on the day you were born, God said, let there be light. So beam like the sun, glitter like a star, and wherever you go, dark will stop being dark. Shimmer and shine, be a beacon so bright, because when God made you, child, God made light. Isn't the message of that book incredible? Don't you want to stand on the top of the tallest building and just shout to the next generation? This is true. This is who you are. You are a light to this world. I have friends who just gave birth to a baby. Hi, Levi. Welcome to church. And when I think about Levi, I think I believe this to my very core. I can look at any kid, even throwing a temper tantrum, and can believe to my core that there is something innately good in them, something uncorruptible, something uncorrupted, but uncorruptible. I believe to my core the message of that book when I think about kids. But when I think about myself, somewhere along the line, I've moved from a sense of belief to a sense of questioning. And a lot of times, if I'm honest, I believe the opposite. And COVID has not helped. <laughs> this season of struggle has squeezed out of me things that are like, really, that's in there? Like, ugh. And then I'm so happy to be in a season of deep introspection and consideration around these conversations about race. And while I am learning and growing and I'm proud of myself, the revelations of where I have been, how I have thought, the places that I've seen my own blindness or complacency have been sobering. And I'm happy to be sobered in that way. But in the season where COVID is also squeezing out of me things that I'm ashamed of, Let's just say this season, it's really easy for me to believe that I stink, that I'm weak, that the message of that book does not apply to me. That's where this series comes in. We're in a series called COVID Hacks, and they are a list of nine Christian traits that COVID is like making us desperate for these traits. The Christian traits are love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. This season of life is desperate for those traits. Those traits are not surprising as far as Christian hallmarks go because they are traits that are associated with Jesus. So then it makes sense that Jesus's followers would also be known by those same traits. But I think what's surprising to most of us, even Christians, what's surprising is the source of those traits. 
that we are super tempted to believe that if we're going to be good Christians, we need to make these things happen. But the Christian principle that sits at the base of that particular list of traits is the exact opposite. We'll get into that a little bit later, but let's dive into today's topic because goodness is our theme for the day. And it's the perfect trait to highlight this concept of this COVID hack, that this is not a thing that we can produce ourselves. The source comes from somewhere else. So for the purposes of today's conversation, let me define what I'm going to refer to as goodness, because there is the goodness that is that is referenced in the child's book that we just read. It is innate trait inside every child. And then what we typically think of as goodness is the acts that we do. And I understand why we affiliate those things together, because it makes sense that if I am good at my core, that I would be doing good things. But when we look at that book and we can believe so deeply that kids are good, but then we struggle to believe that about ourselves, we run into a problem. It's part of the reason why we are tempted to believe that we must do something in order to have this Christian trait of goodness. But for the purposes of today, we're going to define goodness as a state of being as opposed to the things that we do. We're just going to hone in there. Because this idea of goodness being defined by the things that we do, one, it leads to a lot of exhaustion. That's that's a thing you've probably tried as well as I have. But also, I think one of the reasons why we can't believe that book so firmly about ourselves when we can so firmly about a kid who has proven nothing to the world is that as life goes on, our sense of goodness about ourselves erodes as we encounter our flawed nature. That when we look at a little baby, that we have seen them do nothing that is anti-good. But when we look back on the annals of our history, we can see a whole bunch of evidence of our flawed nature. And it makes us question this thing about ourselves, which makes us feel as though we must do something about our goodness. But here's why I love this particular trait and how it highlights the necessity for us to actually get the hack correct, to actually understand the source. Because... This is a bold statement, but I'm going to back it up. Friends, goodness is your birthright. That is a bold statement, but let me show you why I think that's true. You are patterned after, made in the image of, share the DNA of a good God. If you are the same DNA as a good being, then goodness is just your birthright. It is not a thing that you primarily do. It is a thing that you are. Goodness is your birthright.
if goodness is our birthright, it's in God's DNA, our dad, and we are made in our dad's image. It was reflected in our brother Jesus. <laughs> if goodness is our birthright, why aren't we feeling it more often? Why aren't we seeing it more often just pouring out of us naturally? I'd like to talk about two obstacles to why that might be. I think there are two things that are in our way predominantly that most of us can probably resonate with. The first obstacle is the story that we tell. So our assumption is the obstacle for me not feeling goodness is my flawed nature. The evidence is stacked against me. And every time one of these pieces of evidence, anytime I see myself saying or thinking or doing something that is anti-good, I have an option of two stories to tell myself. One is the story of shame and one is the story of guilt. And they don't seem that different, but I'd like to talk about the difference because the way they play out is fundamentally different in whether or not we are experiencing this goodness, either feeling it about us on the inside or doing it on the outside of us. The thing is, shame says I am bad. That when I do one of these things that is not good, that this is so typical me, or there I go again, I did it again. Um, or what is wrong with me that I do this stuff? Shame says I am bad. Guilt has a different story to tell entirely. Guilt has the opportunity to say, I don't like that thing that I just thought, and I want to stop thinking that. Guilt says, I don't like that thing that I just did, and I want to make that right. Guilt says, I regret how I feel when I say these things, and I don't want to do that anymore. Guilt has an escape hatch. Guilt acknowledges the pain of the moment, the flawed nature. It has no problem with the reality of who we are. That is, we do have a flawed nature, but it also offers a way out. Whereas shame says to me the story of who I am. Shame says to me, I am bad instead of I do bad things. Friends, have you ever thought about the fact that your goodness is just as natural to you as anything that ever acts exited your flawed nature? Think about that for just a second, because I don't think that's what most of us feel most days. We're standing in a moment where we have the opportunity to take the high road or not. When we're standing in that moment, the truth is goodness is as natural to you and I as in part of our nature, as anything else that naturally comes out of our flawed nature. That feels radical to me. I would hazard a guess that in moments of decision, <laughs> that you feel somewhat like I feel, which is it is impossible to make a good choice in this moment because I am so filled with something else. Friends, that feels radical because the story that we've told ourselves before that moment is the story of shame. That I am this flawed nature. Not that I have a flawed nature, but I also have this other nature. I, my natural DNA is this list of character traits. And when I am struggling to enact any one of these character traits, I have a piece of my DNA, my dominant DNA is my dad's DNA. 
that has love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those traits, including goodness, which is my birthright, are as natural to me as anything else. But shame that comes out of my flawed nature, but shame writes a different story entirely. And it blinds us to the fact that we have a choice in that moment. It's so interesting to me that if we write the guilt story, I tend to think I'm going to be flooded with guilt. I'm going to be overwhelmed with this guilt. In some ways, in the moment, shame feels like the easier path out. But if we will write the story of guilt, guilt always prompts a desire to make it right, either to go back and make it right or to go forward by doing a different thing. The story that we write can be an obstacle in our path to experiencing this birthright that we have. So if goodness is our birthright, I want to say something that seems a little bit radical. Because if we've been writing the story of shame, this feels like, what? That You can't say that. I feel like I'm saying it to myself. Friends, what if we just let goodness out? When I think about that idea... That's how I realize I've been writing a story of shame for way too long, because I think the story that's in my head, I guess I'll confess the story that's in my head, but I'm guessing it might be the story that's in your head too, is that if left to my own devices, I will make the bad choice. So when you say, what if you just let go and you just let something come out, like just let it come out. What if you were standing in that moment of choice and you just let something come out? I can tell that I've been writing the story of shame because my assumption is if left to my own devices, what will come out is my flawed nature. Friends, if goodness is our birthright, what if we just sat back in that moment of choice and we just let goodness come out? Goodness is as much our birthright. It is actually in our DNA. It is actually more who we are than this flawed nature that we encounter all of the time. Shame, the story that we write, is an obstacle to experiencing our birthright of goodness. The other obstacle that you may have to experiencing this birthright is that you may not have stepped in to the birthright. There's two different reasons why this may not have happened. One is if you don't identify as a Christian, then accepting this birthright is its own obstacle. One of the things that is a basic tenet of the Christian belief is that you were as a human being lovingly, intentionally and uniquely designed. You were made on purpose by a loving father and you are made in that father's image. But just like an adopted child who does not know their bio family, it is totally possible for you to live your entire life with this beautiful DNA and never actually identify with it. Never actually step into your birthright. It doesn't make you any less worthy of that birthright. It doesn't make that any less true of your DNA. You were still your bio dad's kid. It's still part of your birthright. But you may not have stepped into that birthright. It's possible today as we're talking about goodness that you feel this tug to dare to believe that you are good. 
I believe that is your father's voice inside of you whispering an invitation to step into your birthright, to identify yourself as God's child and begin this beautiful journey of being a child of God. You were made in the image of God, but I love the Christian principle that anybody has a right to become a child of God. We start genetically as a child of God, but it is our choice to step into that birthright. It is our choice to identify as part of that family. The second reason why somebody may not have stepped into their birthright, it might be somebody actually identifies as a Christian, but has flipped the script and thinks in some way, shape or form that this DNA that is already in them is a thing that they have to produce. And so instead of spending their energy and time absorbing their natural born state, that is these nine traits, including goodness, that we've spent our energies trying to produce them, trying to become them, trying to act them out. And it's such a distracting journey. It's been my journey. Even though I might intellectually know the right script, I flip the script all of the time. And instead of receiving these things as a gift from God, as my birthright, I try to give them back to God as like a gratitude offering <laughs> for all he's done. I think that there is a brand of Christianity that unfortunately writes the story that God is good and beautiful. And in spite of us, he loves us. But I think that the story of the Christian faith that we see written in the pages of the Bible says a completely different story. That God looks at us in our true nature and he sees us as we are. He sees the reality of us, the DNA, the coding, the nature of us. And you may identify yourself as Christian, but have not yet stepped into your birthright and believed. In both of these reasons why we may not have stepped into our birthright, I believe there is a whisper inside you, a voice inside you that is inviting you to step into it to dare to believe. For a very long time, the Christian faith has been referred to as the gospel, which is just another word for good news. It has always been a message of hope. And I think goodness is the perfect microcosm of the Christian faith. It is a message of hope because Christianity says about you and about me, that we are not defined by the worst thing we've ever done or the culmination of all of the anti-good things that we've done. We are already defined as God's kids. You are good. I am good. I'm a chip off the old block of goodness. I am my dad's daughter. And we're good. And the more I step into my identity as being the natural born bio kid of a good dad, the more goodness I can experience and the more goodness will naturally pour out of me. That's the hack. The source 
is our DNA. It's who we are. It's what lives inside of us all the time, just by the nature of how we were made. Our bio dad's kid. Can we dare to believe it enough to step in to our birthright? We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.